to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. All right, well, if you have your Bible this morning, why don't you grab it and turn with me to John chapter 14. And uh, I just encourage you, although we're not together physically, um, to really tune in uh, for the next 30 minutes or so. And uh, we're going to believe that God's going to speak to us, even through technology. And so I want to encourage you, don't just let this kind of run in the background while you, you know, do something else, but to just stop and really focus in on the Lord this morning. Maybe gather your family together. Kids can play Legos on the floor or uh, draw a picture or whatever they want to do. But I really want to encourage you as we're in this season of church online, and we don't know exactly how long this will be, but we want to, as much as we can, shift into this as a new normal for whatever season of time it is, and uh, really engage in faith even as we connect uh, through technology. And so if you have your Bible, John chapter 14 uh, I've got my coffee this morning. If you need a, a fresh cup of coffee, um, you'll have to make it yourself this morning, but uh, you can fill up your cup. But we're going to continue this morning, a series that we've been in for a few weeks that we're calling Thrive. And kind of the big idea of the series is that for each one of us, God doesn't want us to just get through life. He doesn't want us uh, physically or spiritually just to exist. He wants us to thrive. And uh, Jesus said it this way, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. And so I felt like in January of this year that God really put it on my heart that he wanted to encourage us as a church uh, really to strengthen our foundation as a church, uh, to go back to the essentials, that just as a baby, when a baby is born, if there's a deficit of the essentials, there's a failure to thrive. And there's many people that can be in that place spiritually, that they are born again, uh, they, they love Jesus, but they're not thriving spiritually. And I believe oftentimes it's because there's an absence of the essentials. And so we've been looking at some of the essentials of the gospel. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to you on really the first essential that I would say is this, that God is good. And, you know, God, in His wisdom, planned the timing of all of these messages uh, in a way that we couldn't have planned it ourselves. Uh, so even as the whole coronavirus was beginning to get our attention, God was putting on my heart to speak that God is good. And what a wonderful truth it is that even when life is not good, even when life is difficult and challenging, uh, we know that God is good all the time. And so we talked about the goodness of God that gives us confidence in prayer, that gives us confidence when we walk through challenges. And then last week, I talked to you about the second essential that I simply called Jesus is King. And uh, you may know that as the uh, title of Kanye West's most recent album, but it actually was true long before Kanye said it. Um, and that is really a foundational truth that Jesus is not only our Savior, but He's also our Lord, and uh, that, that He is in control. And I spoke that to you last week, and again, little did we know uh, the changes that we would have to navigate in the weeks ahead. But what a wonderful reminder that even in uncertainty that Jesus is not freaked out, 
He's not afraid. He's not scared. He's not nervous or worried or anxious at all. He's in control. And so that is a great uh, reminder for every single one of us. And today I want to speak to you about the third essential truth Uh, that I believe is, is important for every single one of us to know. And it's really this truth, that the Holy Spirit is here. So number one, God is good. Number two, Jesus is king. And number three, the Holy Spirit is here. And I had planned to speak on that even prior to this whole uh, situation. And to be honest, when um, we realized that we were going to have to be going to church online, I thought, man, should I change the topic? Or I didn't think, man, I thought, God, should I change the topic? Uh, should I not be speaking on the Holy Spirit is here when we're not here physically? But I really believe that that truth is so essential at this time, that the church is not just about an event on a Sunday, but it's about a people that are filled with the life of God. And so wherever you are, the Holy Spirit is with you because He lives in you. And so I want to read this passage of Scripture out of John chapter 14. And Jesus opens that passage of Scripture. He's preparing to go to the cross, preparing uh, to uh, really to leave his disciples. And he starts off in verse 1 of John chapter 14 by saying, Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. He knew that they were going to face some trouble. They were going to go through trouble, and Jesus is brutally honest. He doesn't sugarcoat the truth. He, he tells us, in this world, there will be trouble. There will be tribulation. But there's a difference between going through trouble and being troubled. And so even though we are going through trouble, we don't have to be troubled. He said, let not your heart be troubled. And then in verse 15, I just want to read a few verses there. He says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, you may hear that and think, wow, that sounds heavy. I've got to keep all of Jesus' commandments. I really believe that uh, the, the, the cause and effect relationship there that Jesus is talking about is this, that if you love him, you will keep his commandments. Just like if you are hungry, you will eat. And, and so uh, it's not a pressure. It's really the cause and effect relationship. When we love him, we'll keep his commandments. In verse 16, he says this, and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. In that verse, we see the father, the son, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's an important phrase. He will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. What an awesome encouragement and awesome reminder for Jesus. Even as he's preparing to leave his disciples, he says, uh, I I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send another. I'm going to send a helper. And Jesus was giving them an encouragement because really in the natural, the disciples were preparing to go into a crisis moment. They were going to be facing the moment that Jesus was going to be taken from them, that he was going to be crucified, put to death. Ultimately, that as we know, he would rise from the dead, ascend back to the Father. But he was preparing them for a moment when everything that they had come to know was going to change. You see, they had gotten used to the presence of God really in the person of Jesus. They had come to uh, know that, to love that, to be comforted by 
Jesus. It was Jesus who walked on the water to them when they were in the storm. It was Jesus who, uh, who multiplied the fish and the loaves. And they, they knew as long as Jesus was with them, everything would be okay. But now Jesus is preparing to leave them. And I don't know about you, but I can just kind of imagine that on the inside, uh, they were kind of thinking, no, Jesus, don't leave. Don't leave us. We love you. We're following you. We want to be with you. And this was really a crisis moment. He was preparing them to know how to navigate the crisis moment of him leaving. And the reality is that oftentimes we can be just like these disciples of Jesus, that although they walked with Jesus, although they loved Jesus, although they were followers of Jesus, they were still deficient disciples in many ways. In fact, we see throughout the Gospels, even as they're walking with Jesus again and again, we see the obvious examples of their own um, selfishness, of their own uh, weakness, of their own fear, selfishness. I don't know if you remember the story when they're arguing over who gets to sit on the right hand and on the left hand of Jesus in the kingdom. It was, in essence, they were calling eternal shotgun. I get to sit by you, Jesus, in your kingdom. They were so selfish. Um, they were also uh, weak. If you remember, as Jesus was preparing to go to the cross, he was praying and he said, would you wait here and just pray? Now, this was after three years of training. You would think the very least they could do was just sit and pray at this vital, crucial moment. And Jesus came back and find, found them not praying, but sleeping. And then also, of course, the story tells us that Peter, when he's confronted by uh, even just a a young girl that says, aren't you the one, aren't you one of his disciples? Peter said, no, I never knew him. So they were selfish, they were weak, and they were fearful. Although they knew Jesus, although they had walked with Jesus for three years. The reality is that many of us as followers of Jesus can be the very same way. Although we love Jesus, although we walk with Jesus, um, we can struggle in our faith. And Jesus was preparing them for this moment where their faith was going to be tested as he was leaving. And he gives them really the encouragement and the answer to their own weakness by saying, I will send you another. I will send you another, a helper. And I, I want to just think about that moment or, or that word another for just a moment. That word in the original language means another of the same kind. It was the same God, but a different person, a different manifestation. And the fact is that for all of us um, in life, there are moments where we move into another season. This wasn't just a moment that it was a, a, another person. It was really a whole uh, new way to relate to God. Historically, the people of God knew God in the temple. Uh, then Jesus' disciples knew him as a person walking with him. They, they loved him in the flesh. But now he was preparing them to receive another. And I believe that right now we're actually entering into a season of another, another season. You know, there's some times in life that uh, are not just moments, but it's actually transition points. Uh, some of us may remember uh, back to 9-11, and that was, of course, a significant moment, but it was also a, 
uh, an entry into a new season that became a marker for all of us in life before and after. And that's what Jesus is talking about here, not just that he was leaving and he was going to send another helper, but it was really a whole new season that God was going to no longer just be in the temple and that he would no longer, even as wonderful as the person of Jesus is as the embodiment of God, but now he was going to be in them, a new season. And the reality is for all of us, oftentimes we can cling so tightly to what God has done in the past that we can miss out on the another that he wants to bring us into. Oftentimes what God has done in the past becomes a hindrance to what God wants to do in the future. And I believe right now, uh, of course, we are navigating the health crisis in the moment nationally, but also I believe that there is uh, a spiritual line in the sand that God is bringing us into that will actually be a point that we will begin to look back at and say, wow, that was a, another season. Um, I mean, just think about it for a moment. I, I don't know of any time in history where churches around the world are not able to meet together. But I believe it's actually not a, a negative thing. It's, it's something that God is wanting to bring us into uh, a greater understanding of His presence, that it's no longer just in the gathering. Of course, gathering is important as we're able, but ultimately that we would experience the presence of God within us. He says, I'm going to send you another helper. That word helper in the Greek is parakletos, and uh, it literally means the one who comes alongside us. It's like a coach that would come alongside a runner and encourage them, would cheer them on, would, would even be, uh, so to speak, the wind at their back, pushing them forward. And, and Jesus says, I'm going to send you a helper. The fact is, the reason that he sent us a helper is because he knew that we would need help. If you don't need help, you won't need a helper. And I feel like for all of us right now, we have a moment that we are coming into a different season uh, where we as a church have to grow in our dependence on the Holy Spirit, that we have to grow in our openness to the Holy Spirit. And what a wonderful reminder it is. He says that I'm going to leave, but I'm going to send another. And I'm glad to tell you today that whatever you've known God to be in the past, that when he brings you into another season, he wants to manifest his presence in a new way, that he wants to help you to experience the presence, uh, his presence personally in a new way. And, and so Jesus even says, it's to your advantage you see, up until this point, they had known Jesus on the outside, but now as Jesus left and would send the Holy Spirit, they would come to know Jesus no longer just on the outside, but they would come to know Jesus on the inside as the Holy Spirit within them. And this is what Jesus in Acts chapter 1 spoke to them about, and he called it the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In fact, I want to read Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 5. And it says this, being assembled together with them, he commanded 
them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And Jesus was pointing to a reality that they would experience that, w- that would be totally different from what they had known up until this point. They had known Jesus on the outside. They had seen him, but they were still selfish, weak, and fearful. But Jesus said the answer is that you're going to be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I know that for some of us, perhaps that thought of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is maybe an unfamiliar thought. Uh, I know even as I've talked to some people uh, leading up to this message, some people have said, I I don't really know what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is. Don't I have the Holy Spirit? I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I would say this, that yes, you do have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that no one can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. So there is a work of the Holy Spirit in all of our hearts that causes us to come to faith, that causes us to come alive, Uh, and love Jesus to be what the Bible calls being born again is the work of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand that there is another. There is another. There is another work of the Holy Spirit that is not just to bring us to salvation so that we can go to heaven when we die, but really an infilling of the Holy Spirit that brings heaven into us, that fills us us with the life of Jesus. And and, and I want to look this morning at a number of passages of Scripture. Uh, You don't have to read all of these with me, but I want to just go through some passages of Scripture and kind of do a Bible study, if I can, with you this morning uh, to help you to see the clear distinction between the work of the Holy Spirit. My coffee is about to fall over, but the distinction between the work of the Holy Spirit unto salvation, being born again, And then another experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Again, um, some people say, well, don't I have the Holy Spirit if I'm a follower of Jesus? And the answer is yes. But just as Jesus' disciples struggled in their faith, they needed the the Holy Spirit within them. And so I want to look at a number of passages of Scripture. I made a little diagram that you guys can look at. I think we'll put up here on the screen. And I'm not going to read all of these. You don't have to read along. Maybe you just want to screenshot this, save it, go back and read uh, read these verses in your, uh, in your devotions this week or discuss it with your connect group. But here's what I want you to see this morning is really the distinction between being what the scripture talks about, being born of the Spirit and also being baptized with the Spirit. Again, we're focusing on that word. I'm going to send you another helper. And so I want to look at this and and hopefully just draw a clear understanding in all of our hearts and minds. So first of all, I actually want to look at the life of Jesus, because ultimately when we talk about the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the ultimate example of what it means to live a Spirit-filled life. And so the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, that Jesus was born of the Spirit. Now, unlike Every one of us, he never had to be born again because he wasn't the the seed of Adam. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, as Mary uh, has the encounter with the angel, and she says 
to the angel, how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. And the angel's response was, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. You'll, you'll be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit so that what is conceived in your womb will be the Son of God. And so Jesus was, first of all, born of the Holy Spirit. He was fully God from the moment of conception. But Jesus had a distinct experience. In Luke chapter 3, verse 22, the Bible tells us the story at his baptism when the Holy Spirit came upon him. And I think we would all acknowledge that that was really a, a point of distinction in Jesus' life as he entered into a new season, another season of his life. Although he was always God, he had been born of the Spirit. Now he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Spirit descended upon him and remained upon him. And so Jesus, uh, although he was born of the Spirit, he needed this infilling, this uh, presence of the Holy Spirit in order for him to do the work that God had called him to do. So let me ask you this question. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do I need the Holy Spirit? How much more do you need the Holy Spirit, not just unto salvation, but to live the Jesus life, to do what Jesus has called us to do, not just to be alive, but to thrive. And so we see in the life of Jesus this distinct experience between being born of the Spirit and then being baptized in the Spirit. Now let's look at the life of the disciples, the 12 apostles that Jesus had chosen. The Bible tells us in John chapter 20, verse 22, that as Jesus was preparing to depart, to, to ascend back to heaven, the scripture tells us in John chapter 20 that he breathed on his disciples and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, you can look that up. I encourage you to go look at it. But uh, I, I think all of us would probably agree if Jesus breathes on you and says, receive the Holy Spirit. How many of you know you have the Holy Spirit? If Jesus breathes on you, you don't need anybody to lay hands on you. You don't need um, someone else to, um, to give the Holy Spirit to you. You have the Holy Spirit from Jesus. Yet, the reality is that even those disciples still needed this baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus, although he had breathed on them, he said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. And we know the story in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, or when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Again, Jesus breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit, but now there's another experience. Now there's a distinct experience of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And some people would say, well, yeah, that was because the Holy Spirit had not been poured out. So that was the one moment that they needed to receive it. And that was kind of, you know, a um, open to everyone. Because they received the Holy Spirit, everyone received the Holy Spirit. And I would say that that was a unique point in that it was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the earth. But we see this same pattern again and again throughout 
the, the book of Acts throughout the New Testament of a clear distinction between being born of the Holy Spirit and being baptized with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this story of the, Samarit- uh, the Samarians, uh, the people in Samaria, in Acts chapter 8. Maybe you're familiar with the story. The Bible says that as they experienced persecution in Jerusalem, people began to spread out, and Philip went to Samaria. And Acts chapter 8 verse 12 says that Philip went and he preached And when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, notice his message was the things of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. So they believed Philip and then they were baptized. These are people who were Christians who were followers of Jesus, who had put their faith in the gospel that had been presented to them. They were bona fide followers of Jesus through faith. Yet the Bible tells us in verse 14 that when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Again, I want to show you this distinction between faith in Jesus, which is a work of the Holy Spirit to produce that faith, yet there still is another experience another work of the Holy Spirit to be baptized or to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was so important that although they had received the gospel that had been presented by Philip, the apostles, Peter and John said, man, we got to go down and make sure that they have been filled with the Holy Spirit. That, again, it just shows that necessity for every single follower of Jesus, not just to put their faith in Jesus unto salvation, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at another, the life of Saul, who became Paul. Now, he's a guy that had a radical born-again experience. He had a radical transformation in his life. You're probably familiar with the story. He's riding uh, his donkey on the road to Damascus. He's on his way to go persecute the church. He's not a follower of Jesus. He's He's a hater of Jesus. Yet he's on the road to Damascus. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 9 that as he came, as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell on the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is Jesus speaking to him. And he said, who are you, Lord? In other words, he says, I don't know who you are, but whoever you are, you are Lord. You are in charge. I'm tapping out. You're the boss. Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. It's hard to kick against the goads. Verse 6 says, so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Here, Paul, Saul is a reluctant convert. He has been born again uh, and, and had a transformation, not because he was seeking after God, but really because God broke into his life. But here's the moment that he encounters Jesus and he calls Jesus Lord. And then not only that, but he says, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. What do you want me to do? You're my Lord and I'll obey you. He had a, a transformation of his heart. He'd been born again. He had gone from a 
uh, an enemy of Jesus to now being a follower of Jesus. And we see this a little further in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Again, I know uh, you don't have all of these verses in front of you, but just jot these down, screenshot it, go back to it later. But uh, if you're familiar with the story, you know that God spoke to a man named Ananias and he told Ananias, I want you to go and find Saul and I want you to baptize him and I want you to pray for him that he might be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that uh, when Ananias came to him, he said, brother Saul, notice that brother, why? Because he had been born again. He was a new creation. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm trying to show you that this distinction that, that is so clear in the Bible. He had already encountered Jesus. He had already called Jesus his Lord. He was already obeying Jesus. But Ananias, and Ananias calls him a brother, but Ananias says, you still need to be baptized in water and you need to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, a distinct experience of being born of the Spirit and being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at a couple more, and we're going to wrap up quickly. Uh, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, this is kind of a unique story because this is the first time that a Gentile has received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, up until this point, the work of God had been uh, only among the Jewish people. And so there was kind of this thought of, well, we have the Holy Spirit and we're not going to share him. But God wanted to make sure that every person was able to receive the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 10, we see that Peter has a dream. He has a vision uh, of going to Gentile people. He actually has a vision of uh, unclean animals, maybe pigs coming down in a blanket. And Jesus said, uh, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And um, that's a good verse. I ate bacon for breakfast this morning, and that's my verse for eating bacon. But uh, he was saying, I want you to no longer uh, keep the boundaries where they've been. I want you to be open to the Gentiles. I want you to be open to people who are far off from God. And Peter goes and he preaches the gospel in Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a, uh, an Italian centurion, and he preaches the gospel. And even before he can give the appeal to receive the gospel, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that's the Jewish people who were believed, were astonished. They thought, how can this be? The Holy Spirit coming on the Gentile people. They, they thought, they don't qualify. But Jesus says, no, everybody qualifies through me. And so actually, in this case, this is a little bit of a unique scenario because God wanted to so prove that the Gentiles had been accepted that he didn't even wait until Peter had given them the opportunity. He just said, I'm going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon them. And so they kind of had their dessert before their dinner, so to speak. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with tongues. It was evident that the work of the Holy Spirit had been poured out in their hearts and lives. And so Peter's response in Acts, uh, in Chapter 10, verse 47, he says, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? In other words, they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why can't they now be baptized in water? 
which oftentimes precedes the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But again, another example of this distinction of being born of the Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The last one I want to show you, and we're going to wrap up and and just have some time actually to wait on the Lord ourselves. But in Ephesians chapter 19, you're probably familiar with this passage of Scripture because I spoke it to you a few weeks ago. Uh, Apollos has gone out, he's preaching the gospel, but he didn't know about the Holy Spirit. And he goes to Ephesus and he preached the gospel to them about Jesus, about repenting of their sins, and they're baptized. And Paul comes behind him and he finds, the Bible says he in Acts chapter 19, verse 2, finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Again, I want to show you that it's possible to believe, but to not yet have received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we, we didn't even hear there was a Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit? And so Paul, again, preached the full gospel to them, explained to them uh, the work of the Holy Spirit that was available through Jesus. And the Bible says this in Acts chapter 19, verse 6 and 7. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So there is this manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit. Although they had been believers, Paul says that they believed, but they had not yet received. And again, I, I, I know I'm driving the point home by showing you all of these verses, but here's the reason that I believe this is so important, because there's many of us who can be believers in Jesus. We can even be like the disciples. We love Jesus. We want to follow him. We want to serve him. But when we go through a crisis moment, we default back to selfishness. Give me that toilet paper, fighting over groceries or or, or thinking, how am I going to survive this? We can default to selfishness. We can default to, to weakness, feeling like we're just inadequate. We're not sure if we're going to make it. We can default to fear, even like Peter, who had pledged his allegiance to Jesus, but when the moment came that he was tested, he, he denied him, he turned on him. And I, I want you to understand that the answer for every single one of us is the person of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, I think we have it to share with you on the screen. He says this, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. Why do people drink wine? People, or why do they get drunk with wine? Sometimes it's to, to make them to deal with their fear, to calm their nerves, uh, to, to deal with anxiety. He says, don't get drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but the alternative is be filled with the Spirit. That word filled in the original language is what theologians call a present continuous imperative. In other words, be filled and go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so here's the question as we land today is, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? I know many of you are watching this and you love Jesus. You want to follow Jesus, but perhaps you find yourself dealing with selfishness, fear, weakness. You just feel like you're not a very good follower of Jesus. Now, I've got good news for you. There is 
another, the helper. The Bible also calls him the comforter. And so I want to encourage you right now, wherever you're at, to just take a moment. And I want to lead you in a prayer uh, of just opening up our hearts to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've received the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have experienced that infilling with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but, but maybe you just need a fresh infilling today. And so we're going to pray. Then we're going to have just a moment of worship and asking the Holy Spirit to come. And so wherever you're at, would you just for a moment close your eyes and maybe even open your hands like this. This is just a posture of openness. And so I want to pray for you today, wherever you're at. And Father, we come to you today, God. And Lord, we thank you that you are the the giver of the Holy Spirit. And God, we need you today. We need the Holy Spirit to fill us, God. We feel so weak. God, we deal with selfishness. We, We deal with fear. But Lord, thank you that you have promised to send the Holy Spirit to fill us. And so right now, I pray, God, that you would fill every person. Lord, even as they're watching this or maybe closing their eyes wherever they're at, God, I pray, would you be with them? Fill them, I pray. Lord, we thank you that you're not limited to an auditorium. You're not limited to a building. But God, through Jesus, the Holy Spirit's been poured out on every single person. And so right now, Father, I pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, let's just take a moment to receive the Holy Spirit as the worship team leads us in this worship song.